Okay, welcome today. Uh, you have joined us for Top Women in the Industry, a live chat today with Lori Kirby of Fest Forum, and I am Lynn King-Smith of Ticket Force. Uh, I'm co-founder and CEO of Ticket Force. We provide ticketing solutions to venues and promoters all across North America. Now, I've worked in the entertainment and technology industry, both of which are strongly male fields. And I've found many amazing women along the way, and I'm still discovering new friends who have not only survived but thrived in these environments. So getting through gender bias, stereotypes, and prejudices in our careers is not easy, and those who do it have a wealth of information and a lot of strength to share. And that's why I've launched this new webinar and a blog series, Surviving in a Boys Club. It starts today with a no-holds-barred talk about life, careers, and what women can do to really make a difference in our own lives and help other women find their way with my very special guest today, Lori B. Kirby, Esquire. Lori produces Fest Forums New York City and Santa Barbara and Best of the Fest, a business-to-business -business conference and awards event for music, film, food, and wine festival organizers. The conference addresses how to improve the fan, attendee, and talent experience. Now, she is the former president and chief creative officer of the International Film Festival Summit and the International Music Festival Conference and Lineup Magazine. She's also managed and done consulting for nearly a dozen film festivals. Lori is a frequent speaker, interviewer, and moderator at dozens of festivals and corporate conferences, including IFEA, BizBash, Canadian Music Week, IEG, Event Expo, the Mill Valley Film Festival, Polestar, the Catalina Island Film Festival, Film Festival Flicks, the Napa Valley Film Festival, and the Ladies Filmmaker Festival on all aspects of the industry. Whew. She is often quoted as an industry thought leader in publications such as Variety, IndieWire, and Music Festival Business. She's also been a contributor to IndieWire, Eventbrite, and Sonic Bids. You can see why I am so thrilled to have Lori here today, um, and I just can't wait to get started. We do want to just pay tribute today to uh, a great loss uh, to the music industry, um, and we mourn the death of Prince today. Um, Lori, we were chatting about that just before we um, went live on air, and um, what was it that you had to say in regards to... Um, Prince's death that was so meaningful? Well, first of all, Lynn, I want to thank you for, one, creating this series, and two, having me on it. I'm, I'm really honored to be part of this conversation, which is so important. Lynn is like my sister from another mister. Um, she's a strong, beautiful woman, and I'm, I'm really delighted to be part of this. Thank you, Lori. With respect, you're welcome. With respect to Prince, it's really a heartbreaker. Um, you know, I'm the same age as him, and, and I grew up listening to his music. And like Michael Jackson, Madonna, who are also 57, um, like ah. everybody, we were all born under that same star. Yeah. Another star, but he was truly a musical giant, and it's, it's truly heartbreaking. It is. Um, that's like his say. Yeah. So I'm going to take a moment to think about him. You know, specifically on the heels of David Bowie, just mm -hmm. passing to another great music legend. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you so much. And I, we just didn't want to cruise into the day, um, being that we're so uh, both so entrenched in music industry, and it's such a big part of our lives, and and most of, many of the audience today as well. So, um, but let's start just with some of the good stuff. Just give us a brief uh, family, pets, love of your life. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because it really is the good stuff. It's what makes life worth living. I really love my family. 
Uh, my children are, you know, the old cliche, they're the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of my daughter and my, my two sons. Um, I don't know if the reverse is always true. <laughs> they, they delight me. They surprise me. They, they educated. They, they're grown ups, and and um, I'm not really. So it works really well. <laughs> they all have wonderful mates. They're, they keep me very grounded and honest, and sometimes off balance. Um, I have a wonderful mate. My boyfriend Kurt, really sweet, smart lovely guy. He really respects women and respects all that I do. And I'm very lucky because I have also have a really great relationship with even my ex-husband, with my, I got my mom, you know, who's just so fantastic, so successful. Aww. And as for pets, you know, I got to give a shout out to my rescue Italian Greyhound, who's the smartest dog I've ever had. Tucks is the only dog I've ever had where you have to spell in front of them. Well, you, um, and then yeah. my last around. <laughs> well, your dog should perhaps meet my dogs because um, I've got two little Chihuahuas, and I'm I'm actually working working out of my home today and doing the interview from here. And and uh, Lori and I both have our daughters uh, sitting in the same room with us right now, so we're we're all very blessed. And I know that family and um, and friends are just the fabric of all of our lives. And I think that's that's one thing that makes. Um, survival possible or maybe it's the only thing but but Lori what are you up to today besides changing time zones well I also wanted to give a shout out to my business partner stewards also my best friend and Al and my great staff because they I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them they really support me in everything that I do and we really have a lot of fun so yeah I mean yeah I've been in changing time zones and I'm not really very good with that Um, (laughs) I have a certain dyslexia when it comes to directions and time zones Mm -hmm. so um, I'm really happy I get to see my amazing daughter who I haven't seen in a bit and and her boyfriend she's an amazingly successful beauty blogger and she has a great business she works really hard so the plan here is the two of us need to play a little bit which neither of us do enough so yeah. We're going to go do some girl stuff. Oh, good. That's you have fun after we're done doing this girl stuff that we're doing today. That's right. Listen, you know, we have uh, only known each other for, you know, not all that long. And so just tell us briefly what your journey is to how you ended up heading up Fest Forums. Um, you've had a, a crazy, incredible journey to get where you are today. Just just tell us briefly um, your career path to get there. Yeah. Well, I've had a really great, exciting life with a lot of challenges, but I've been able to meet a lot of people and live a really dynamic, exciting existence, but it hasn't always been easy. I was an attorney for most of my career, um, but I always wanted to dive back into the arts. It was my first love. Mm. Um, It's kind of funny. As a little girl, I wanted to be Perry Mason, (laughs) more as an actor, I think. So... When I was asked to join a board for the Newport Film Festival, it gave me the opportunity to go dive back into something that I've always loved. I still remember the first time I saw Citizen Kane, and it just blew me away, and Charlie Chaplin and all of the great you know, filmmakers of the day. Mm-hmm. And it, So it was a wonderful opportunity to get back involved as an attorney, um, which I'd also been you know, general counsel for the senior LPGA and formed that. So uh, I've had some really great career successes, and I've been very, you know, wonderfully rewarded in my career. But as my children started to grow older, and I didn't have to worry so much about, you know, 
financially supporting you know all of the things that we wanted them to have the opportunity to move into the space of the arts was really exciting for me and and so I took a major pay cut but mm. I really dove back into what I love because I believe if you do you follow your passion the money will follow as well so I've worked in a lot of aspects of indie film I've been a producer I've worked in distribution I've worked in programming I've worked in sponsorship I help a lot of you know, filmmakers on feedback and their rough cuts. Um, I've done a ton of consulting. But what I love really more than anything is education and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so to have the opportunity to run and build a conference for festival organizers in various genres, because I, I truly believe that that's the last sort of tribal ritual for folks, for festivals, and those are the memories that people have that they keep for a lifetime. So my being able to bring together the leaders who create those events and experiences is extremely rewarding because yes. the most important thing at events is that people are safe. And so we bring together um, filmmakers, the film festivals, the music festivals, the food and wine festivals, so they can network and discover best practices. And so my business partner, luckily, and I are really complimentary in what we can do, although we tend to agree on those things. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun and, and engaging. And, and what's more fun than films, music, food, and wine? It Nothing. Keeps me, right? Yeah, I have a, <laughs> almost a fetish right now with festivals. And I did a, I did a little uh, a talk at my, at my town, a town leadership board, and I was supposed to be talking about the growth of the arts and what was ahead for the town of Gilbert. And I... I found that on every point I kept talking about that we needed festivals, um, whether it was, uh, you know, a craft brew fest or a wine festival or a music, or I actually love those that are a combination. Um, and I just registered to go to a blues and brews fest up in Fla uh, Flagstaff uh, in June. Um, I think you're right. How did you word that? You said it's the last, some tribal activity? Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of Seth Grodin. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've read his stuff, but yep. he, he's he's really spot on and very interesting. Um, he's a sort of a Malcolm Gladwell, you know, thinks outside mm -hmm. of the box. And um, that was his his wording, which I stole, but I use that a lot when I speak because people do like tribal experiences. They do like to be with people like themselves. I think um, I spoke just the other day at IEG, and what I, I said was that because of the Internet, and the effect of long tail, people who have common interests can now confer with each other and meet each other. So um, I truly believe that, you know, that's in our, imprinted in our DNA and festivals, you know, allow people to collect around things that they love, like that, music, food, and wine. That is yeah. true. That is true. And that there's such an energy there that's, uh, that's amazing. Um, so that's an incredible journey. It kind of started with board service and then just, I can imagine going from, you know, lawyer into a whole different world. Aside from pay cuts, what, what were other obstacles um, that you overcame? Like, what was a dark day for you in your career? Oh, gosh, where do I start? <laughs> um, I felt, you know, that taking the pay cut, was the right thing for me, and it drove me to make sure that I worked really hard um, to 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 overcome, you know, the challenges that came from that. Right. Um, in terms of dark days, I mean, I've had a lot of things that have happened to me. Um, I've been in situations where 
Um, I, as a lawyer, you know, I've been insulted by judges. Mm. Um, I, you know, I've been, I've been harassed. I've, I'm sure everybody who's female has has been through those kinds of things that where they've happened. And you know, my my belief is each time it happened, I would cut ties or I'd say something. Sometimes it would be so shocking. Yeah. Um, but I, I couldn't respond immediately, and that's why Anita Hill is like such a hero of mine because she. She stood up when that happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's not something women should tolerate. Um, I believe it's like an abusive relationship. But, you know, those dark days have made me stronger and tougher and able to survive, you know, the ebb and flow of successes in our life. You know, so, when you, when but you I do s- think... When you said by a judge, how did that, did that hit you like in the gut? You know, it kind of, when you said that for me, it almost, you know, I have like a physical response. I think when there's that kind of tension or an attack, whether it's on me or somebody else I'm observing and do you have, did you have a physical response to that at all in that setting? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where, well, because what it does is it, 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 it cuts down to your your primal self-belief that maybe perhaps, you know, you somehow deserved it. There's shock. There's almost mm. an instant shock. Mm-hmm. And so you have to untell the stories that um, make you think that perhaps for a second that that's okay. And it's something you have to be reflective and not responsive. So I do tell other women it's not something anyone should tolerate because it is like an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. We as women are, are harder on ourselves than other people. We don't need other people criticizing, demeaning, or demoralizing us. But, you know, I think when those kinds of things happen, you just need to address them and you move on. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as you higher and higher in your consciousness, you bring into your consciousness people who are on the same level of awareness, and you, you put that behind you. Fabulous. Really great advice. Thank you. Um, And I think the emotional side of that, we are inherently emotional people, emotional beings, and getting past that feeling that you may have in the gut or whatever, however your body responds, um, is really really key. I I love that point. Um, So since since this is a focus on female series, we're we're doing a blog series along with the live chats. and you talked a little bit there with the judge, but is there a time where you actually have faced bias um, and it was a roadblock that you had to get get past that you can think of? Just well, because you I mean, one of the, yeah, I mean, one of the things when when that's happened, um, you know, it, it's always been it's always turned out okay because it probably pointed me in a different direction. Um, I like challenges. Um, I love being a female. I've always loved being a female. I feel really good about it. I'm very mm-hmm. happy in my in my female existence and body. Yes. I love being around men. I'm very comfortable. I've played a lot of sports mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. my life. I'm an athlete, and I love that I'm an athlete. And you know that makes it you know easier for me perhaps to be in that sort of man's world. Um, as far as roadblocks, I mean. There was a time when I was younger that the very prestigious law firm that I was a part of refused to make me a partner mm. until I worked there full time. And because I had children who were, you know, in 10, 12, whatever, and I wanted to be part of their life, it was really important for me to be part of their life and 
go to all the hockey games and, and be that mom. Right. Um, I refuse to compromise. Hmm. And it's probably a blessing because it forced me to reevaluate, did I really want to be an attorney? And, um, you know, I've been, as an attorney, I was sexually harassed by some of the male partners. And wow. I reported them. Wow. And, you know, initially it was like, oh, Lori, are you sure? So subsequently it turned out both of these partners were serial sexual harassers, because they always are, right? Mm -hmm. And they both subsequently, you know, lost their jobs. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm really clear on who I am, and I will not tolerate that type of behavior. Right. That's amazing. I'm going to launch a survey now to the listeners. Um, have you ever faced or witnessed um, bias based on being a woman? Uh, and I'm going to launch that career now or that, no, not that career. <laughs> I'm going to launch that poll right now. And you can go ahead and just choose one of those answers. And uh, let's see. Here we go. Getting the voting in. This is my first time to do a poll. So we are going to be, we let it go for a few more seconds as the answers are coming in. This is actually, this is actually pretty interesting to see. So it's, we're getting more of those answers. We've got about 20 more seconds left on that. So right now it's fluctuating right around 50 to 60% of the listeners saying, yes, they have faced gender bias in the workplace or career. 33% are saying that they have witnessed it, and 8% uh, at um, I have neither seen nor witnessed. So we're going to go ahead and close that poll. Very interesting. So um, that's just too much. My guess, we know that's true. My guess is that it's excused. Yeah, it probably, younger women probably don't face it as much, or they may not recognize it. Sometimes you don't recognize it, too, till it's behind you, mm -hmm. uh, because it can be very benign. Mm -hmm. Um, and very subtle. Yeah. And, um, you know, listen, I think it's great. If you've never witnessed it or seen it and that's truly your reality, I, then maybe that's a sign that things are changing for the better. And I hope that's the case. We certainly hope so. I'm, I'm walking through right now with a close friend of mine, um, a sexual harassment and the responses that um, she is getting from mostly the other men in her life to let it go. Um, it's going to cause problems if you bring it up, those types of things. It's absolutely gut-wrenching. So if we have, you know, listeners on the call today or people that are going to listen later and that's something that, um, you know, you're walking through, I all I can do is encourage her and speak up and say, you know, do not tolerate it. Um, but it is still very present in our society today, still very, very real. And the power factor comes into play with uh, using that to um, create fear as what, what will happen and what would be your losses if you do speak up or do something about it. Um, so that's why we want to we want to bring our female tribe together and, and the men who are our male feminists, as it were, so that uh, we stand strong and, and really continue to speak up um, against any kind of bias and especially sexual harassment. Um, but yeah, on I mean, the other side, right, Lynn. Yeah. I mean, look at Anita Hill. Look at the repercussions to her. I mean, oh. retaliation is very real. It is. And it's very scary, but you, you need to hold your ground. And I, I would say that to any of the women who are going through that. It's kind of funny when I think about it because when it happened to me, 
my ex-husband at the time told me, you should sue him. You could retire. You wouldn't have to practice law anymore. Uh, so that was <laughs> interesting perspective. Yes, yeah. You know, I, it's just amazing, though, people that I thought were very uh, close to her um, and men that I never thought would say that I assumed would be, you know, the kind of men who would support her speaking up have discouraged her from saying anything because of the implications to her career and to possibly mm. to their career. And it's just been heartbreaking to see that it's still very present. That is very heartbreaking, and I'm sad to hear that. Yeah. But, I, but I hope she knows to... She has our support, and she should do the right thing. She must feel it because she just texted me right now. I <laughs> said, I need to talk to you later. So she must be feeling that uh, our, our good vibes coming her way. But, you know, listen, you, her support and love. Yeah, I will. Thank you. You said that you love being a woman, and, and I do too. I remember, um, you know, I've met women sometimes that are just like, I don't like other women, and I just, um, we're, I think we're missing out if we if we take that approach. But when is a time when you really felt empowered and you used your feminine strength and uniqueness? Well, I feel my feminine strength and uniqueness is that I can do a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I raised three children and I work, so mm -hmm. I get stuff done mm -hmm. because that's just how I'm hardwired. Um, and my business partner calls me the face of the company, and what I love about it is it gets to justify all the facials and blowouts I get. So Isn't that true? <laughs> I, love, I love I love clothes. I love you know fashion and skincare, and um, I don't know. I guess it's it's who I am, and I've always been, and I'm always been very happy to be a woman, and I'm very happy of my so-called masculine energy and my female and my male energy and female mm -hmm. and male energy. So. I just it's just me. So yeah. I'm very happy and content with the person that I am. It's a great place um, to be. Whether that's male or female energy. And that resonates out of you so much. Um and I you know, I I thank you for for saying that because it's um you know, I think that's our number one roadblock as women is we are at times our own worst enemies and we don't recognize that um you know, the femininity and the strength that we have and how we can really utilize that in our careers. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely have gotten stuff done um, mm -hmm. being a flirt, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's all harmless, but I, I mean, I definitely sometimes have a business, um, you know, behind it. Right. Um, and it right. works. Yep, yep. So, I know you work with a lot of music festivals as well, and uh, so you've got a lot of background but I, in film, but I know that, that you work with a lot of music festivals. I did a, a panel with the Polestar uh, people this past February, and it was all about this, this same theme of women in, in the music biz, and it's a very challenging business. What do you see in that business in particular, if anything, that, that still would trouble you about a woman who would, say, want to be a music producer or an artist agent, um, a roadshow warrior? Um, do you see anything in that music business that still kind of troubles you, or what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, when um, Polestar came to me a couple years ago because my niche is is music festivals, mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I'm happy to get on board, I'm happy to be part of this, but I really want to do something that supports women because I know there were some people who perceived Polestar as an old boys club. And so I really encouraged them, and they were very supportive, with starting uh, a panel that would be just for women in the industry. And so I'm really proud that, you know, you were the second person mm -hmm. to host that because 
I feel it's really important to support women in music. And I'll, you know, one woman who was an executive in the industry once told me that she had worked in professional hockey, and that it was easier than working in the music industry. Wow. And um, well, you know, it's a tradition that it's mostly guys who were roadies and who worked their way up. Um, but you know, I feel like women are starting to make strides, and I'm very, very, very proud. Um, you know that, that that women are starting to be major players, and I know some very powerful women, uh, Heisen Belcher, who works in the industry, Maureen mm -hmm. Ford of Live Nation, yep. Elaine Leaf of Insomniac. They're very smart, strong women, and I'm starting to see more female talent bookers. Uh, Firefly has them, more sponsorship directors, more musicians are starting to be booked. People are starting to pay attention um, to the inequity in the balance of the talent for festivals. So, you know, on a personal level, yeah, I've seen some jerky behavior. I had somebody yeah. um, once try to pinch my, or actually pinch my bottom, and uh, <laughs> at the time I, I said, hey, guess what, your sponsorship price just doubled. Yeah. And then I, and then I shared it with all the colleagues. I mean, I was not afraid to yep. tell all the other guys. They were kind of disgusted. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it is a hard, it's a hard road to hoe. It is definitely a boys' club. Yep. But that's okay. You yep. know, you just, you just keep doing what you love and what your passion is, and, uh, you know, you'll succeed. What do you I think hope. those some of those women that you mentioned? What do they have in common? I mean, we and we talked about it. Do we have to be a little bit uh, in in those male industries in tech and in music and film? Do we all have to be a little tough or thick skinned? Well, to me, tough and thick skinned are loaded words. Hmm. Um, so I like to think instead that that women are smart and they're funny. Yeah, and they're capable. They're like you, Lynn. I mean. I, I, tough, you know, I think of myself as a lot of stuff, I just let a lot of stuff roll off my back. I don't let a lot of stuff build up or bother me. Um, I really like to let things go. I like to be present. I like to experience gratitude in all that I have. Um, I have great self-regard for myself and for other women. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, maybe, maybe, I do see a lot more women, um, that are successful do have a history of being athletes, and certainly that I think plays a part. I think that's the confidence. Yeah, yeah, they've done many studies, and a lot of the top women CEOs and leaders come from athletic backgrounds. So yeah. I think that's certainly something that, and I encourage young women to play sports, you know, partly yeah. for that reason. You know, you say you let things roll off your back, and I find um, that, I do that really well during the day. Um, I can let things roll off. And then when I lay my head down to go to bed at night, that's when sometimes it will all come rushing back. You know, what can you tell me and, and other people on the call like me when when you've you've managed to get through your day and you let that thing roll off and then you go you go to bed at night and there it is and it hits you like a brick, that negative interaction or whatever it is that happened that day. How do you deal with that? Well, you own it. First of all, you should own it. Own that that made you angry and, and recognize that that wasn't okay. And sometimes, myself included, I don't respond to it. And so, therefore, I go, you know, why didn't I say? We all have that Monday morning quarterback. And why didn't I say something yeah. at the time? And as it goes back to the shock factor, the, the punch in the gut factor. Mm -hmm. And I think owning it and acknowledging it 
But knowing that when people behave like that, I don't respect them as people. And I respect myself. I do, I practice meditation. I practice gratitude. I practice letting go. When you hold on to things, the only person you hurt is yourself. Mm -hmm. There are great tapes on YouTube about practicing those things. But I think you always have to acknowledge things that make you angry. You never bury those things. You own them. And then you say, how would I handle this differently? Next time I'm going to confront that. And bring that up to your consciousness and then let it go. Yeah, I do um, the same. You know, yeah. I I do. I'm tough on myself for getting mad. You know, it's like if I get upset that I'm going to all beat myself up that I got upset that I didn't manage that in a more conscious way. So, you know, then I've got that double thing going on um, about the situation and then being being rough on myself. So I love that. That's a I'm going to I'm going to work much harder at that. I think that to, to own it and say it's OK. I got mad. I you know, I lost my cool, whatever it was. Um, I didn't handle that well and, um, and own it and move on. I think that's going to be very helpful. We were all, we're all people. We all behave in ways. I think one of the things I try to continue to remind myself to do is to be responsive. I mean, to be reflective and not responsive. If you feel that something's coming up in you and then you're shaking, that's not a good time to be talking. Ah, excellent. That's <laughs> That's a time to take a breath, let yourself reflect, yeah, and and then you then you will speak from a truer place. Then again, when you, when you're being responsive, it's coming from um, you can talk a lot of therapy, therapy, but it's coming from this place <laughs> of I've been attacked as a small child, and you behave that second third year behavior yes. comes up. Yep. And that's, that's true. That's perfectly okay because that's just what we do. Mm -hmm. But my suggestion is take a minute and don't let that tape recorded response be your first response. Yeah, and maybe that's where sports is helpful. You know, you get knocked down. I, you know, I same thing. I played basketball, volleyball, track. You know, if you if you get knocked down in sports, there's no time to lay on the ground and think about it. You know, you've got to get up and make the next play. And by the time you do that, the fall is over and it's out of your mind. It's it's actually a great a great life lesson. Um, you know, maybe there's a connection there as to why there are you know women athletes that then succeed in business later because you've got to keep getting back up. There you go. Bingo. Well, we could just end there, but I want to talk about food a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was fascinated uh, to find out, you know, how many and meet some of the top chefs that you interact with um, in the food world. And I've always wanted to know, I've been fascinated as to why still in, in most American homes, you've got the women in the kitchen primarily. I grew up with, you know, my dad couldn't even fry an egg. Um, and yet almost all of our, or I should say so many of our top chefs in the country and the world are men. Um, and I just, what is your take on that? Why are so many of the top chefs men? Is that a boys club world to break into as well? Oh, sure. I mean, if you go to the best restaurants, right, they hire male waiters and not female waiters. And Hmm. When you're in school, the principals are men, the teachers are women, and when you go to the hospital, the doctors mm -hmm. are the men and the women are nurses. Mm -hmm. And and maybe it's partly, you know, because we're too, they're too nice, you know, they, they need to take the reins. I mean, my mom, very smart, tough lady, 
She uh, is 85 years old, oh. uh, the doctor, psychologist, and she never settled. She she went and got, you know, through all of the sexism of her generation, which is, I'm sure, way worse than ours. And, uh, you know, she was strong and confident and just said, I'm going to do this. She's still working at 85, so, so I've got some pretty crazy strong genetic tendencies there. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really think that, you know, you just have to fight that. A lot of people's mothers and fathers say, you know, you should be a teacher yeah. rather than a principal. You should be a nurse and not be a doctor. Yeah. And so women just, you know, you should be the secretary and not the lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, that's just something that we have to change. And I never believed that I couldn't be any of those things. In fact, I criticized my mother all the time because she told me not to take typing in high school, so I'd never be a secretary. <laughs> and now I can't. I yeah, can't type. Me too. I didn't want to be in there with, with the, yeah, I didn't want to go that route, you know, and, and now I, I did have to learn how to keyboard later. <laughs> so I think, you know, I look at a woman like Kat Cora. She's such an incredibly honest, uh, open, intelligent, talented woman who I don't, you know, if you've read her autobiography, but I mean, she grew, she grew up with an adopted family. I mean, she was basically born on a hospital floor with like a 16-year-old mother and she like, you know, flew wow. out and had right. stopped since. She's a survivor. She's a beautiful woman and, and, and she's just so fierce and so talented. So yeah, I, I think that we just have to change the paradigm. Look, at, we're finally having a, a serious candidate for president yes. now, female, yeah. you know? That's true. So the, the roles are shifting. Yes, it and is. And we have to keep moving in that direction. Yeah, it's. I think we're still in that place where, um, you know, we have women in the workplace at, at fairly equal levels, but not the, it's the leadership where we're, where we're lacking. You know, we're all celebrating that, you know, it's, what, 2016, and we finally have a, a serious woman candidate for president, you know, and I was fascinated by... Um, Canada's prime minister when he he came in and said that at least 50 percent of his parliament was going to have to be women and and somebody said right. why and his only answer was because it's 2016 you know and right. and it's that that's I think where we're you know my passion is to see women not not only working and contributing in whatever their area is but also in taking their leadership roles and positions so yeah Kat Cora amazing story and um and yet we don't want her to be the exception. We want we want that to be the norm. Well, her, her, of course, her role model was Julia Child. But I do think in this country we don't value the um, need to support child care. And that's a very fundamental issue that impacts women. Mm -hmm. When I was a lawyer coming up, most of the other women who were my age and slightly older never had children. And I think until we come to a day where there's really good child care for, mm -hmm. for women and for parents, I mean, finally starting with paternity leave, yep. uh, women have to make a choice. And so, you know, that always will, will hold back, you know, women from succeeding because their path becomes longer and more convoluted. Well, it happened with you, of course, right? You, you were not able to become partner because you wouldn't make that sacrifice, you know, with your children. And, and that's a very common story. And I, we haven't solved that yet. Well, lucky for me, it turned out 
for the best. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep, getting getting back up and going. Hey, you've been a speaker also in another industry at the Ladies Filmmaker Festival, and you know we are all kind of fascinated by the women speaking out in Hollywood this year with all the awards. But uh, is Hollywood and film are they ahead of music in opportunity for women, or what are you seeing there? Oh God, no! I only wish it were. Yeah. Um, for a group of liberals, it's a very sexist business, wow. um, mm -hmm. and it, it, it might even be worse than music, quite frankly. Um, I mean, I do whatever I can to support women in the industry, but there is incredible sexism in that space. The worst sexism I've ever encountered was when I worked with uh, studio executives mm -hmm. who came from the major studios who I partnered with, partner in quotes. Because really what happened is I became a glorified secretary for them. Oh, wow. And actually, I was the marketing person bringing in the clients and the money, and I was still treated like a glorified secretary. Mm -hmm. So I have to tell you, um, in my experience, Hollywood is not kind to women. They have a very tough road, the actors, the directors. It's, it's a difficult place. It's cruel. Um, I do know some amazing female filmmakers, and I, I feel like that's where women particularly shine. Right. Um, you have Sarah Polly's and the Tia Lessons, and these women are really good documentary filmmakers. Um, but, of course, you know, doc filmmakers are not on the same level no. uh, of, the, of the, the top studio execs, and there are a few top studio execs, but some of those women, um, you know, die of cancer. It tells you something about how it impacts the souls of these women. So yeah. I have been, the film industry really has a long way to go, and the only way that's going to change is by women taking power mm -hmm. and controlling with the conversation, and we're starting to see that. Yeah, and you know, same thing with music. It was you know, uh, one of the gals that's a production manager. Um, so she was riding the tour buses around with some very big tours, and people were continually asking her to get coffee, um, and she was a production manager. Uh, but they looked at her, they saw a young lady, you know, probably had her hair in a ponytail working on the road, and they just assumed young female, young female means somebody to get me coffee. So we, we have a long way to go in the entertainment industry, it's, and, but we have some fabulous well, women coming up who are strong, and, and I, I think you're going to make a real difference, um, but they certainly have to keep fighting um, and moving ahead. It's a very subtle thing. I mean, when I was a young attorney, um, I would go and sit and do a closing at my law firm, and somebody would say, so when's the lawyer going to, I'd introduce myself, say who I was, and they'd right. say, when's the lawyer coming, could you get me some coffee? Oh, my and God. And it happened to me on numerous occasions. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's just people in their mindset. I, I think once I would tell them, they were slightly horrified. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we just have to keep, we just have to keep changing perceptions. Lori, you have uh, how many daughters, two or one? I have one daughter and I have two sons. So you have a daughter. I have three daughters. Mine are all in their 20s. Um, they're all having to find their way in this really rapidly changing and, and competitive workplace. You know, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Uh, and what, what can we tell them? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, when I was 25, I know it's sort of hard to believe, I was married, I was about to have a baby, I was a lawyer. Mm. Um, I spent so much time trying to please everyone around me. It was, there, I was lost. 
you know. I, and I really didn't know who I was. I had no sense of what, what I, who I was at that mm -hmm. time. I just felt I had to be successful. I mean, I have a daughter who's 31, and to me, she's just amazing. She struck out on her own. She's a very successful blogger, and I think she faced some of the same challenges and self-doubts that I had. But what I would say to your girls is it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Relax. Enjoy, enjoy your youth, enjoy your beauty, enjoy your strength, your athleticism. Ease up on yourself. Don't take up from anyone. Find your passion. I mean, I'm sure they're all sensational because they're your daughters. But, <laughs> you know, first be compassionate to yourself. Um, never stop learning. Keep growing. Continue to be kind. Be kind to yourself first. Be kind to others. Um, being, what I say is being compassionate is a great gateway drug to greater life enjoyment. And it's the first thing you have to do is either up on yourself. That's and so try and live in the for you. And I, I, it's fabulous and it applies, um, I hope, to everyone who's listening and, and will be listening. Um, because if you're anything like Lori and I, um, we have a tendency to, to have to work at being compassionate and kind to ourselves and letting it go. That's right. That's right. So I'm sure your girls will be fantastic, but keep that in there. Keep that in their their mind. Yeah, they are all amazing. Of course, they're they're all in artistic fields, and it's amazing to watch they are. what they're doing. <laughs> um, your daughters, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> you know, we're both entrepreneurs, Lori. Now that you're out on your own on on fest forums, do you sleep well? I do. I sleep better than I ever have. Um, my life is in alignment. Um, it's so interesting to me because all of my life I used to tell everybody, you know, you should go to law school. And even my own daughter, she was going to get an MBA. Mm -hmm. And then, at, then after the recession, I kind of really reshifted and said, you know what, you need to be an entrepreneur. And then I hadn't done it myself. Yeah. And I did it at age 56. It Fabulous. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's a great and time I, to do it. It's a great time, you know, because you know who you are. And, and so I do sleep very well. Um, I need a lot of sleep. I'm someone who does need a lot of sleep, which is why my life is pretty organized, because I live my life around getting my eight and nine hours of sleep. But I do exercise a lot. I meditate. I eat very well. I drink copious amounts of wine. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> copious but I, really, <laughs> but I work. I work really hard again at being present, at expressing gratitude. I know I keep saying this again and again. Yep. But it's really true. And and I try really hard. You know, my business partner calls me Doris Day Aww. because I've never met anybody who wakes up happy every day like you do. Um, but I work at it. I work yeah. at it. It doesn't just. It's not just in. You know my nature necessarily, but it's some, I work at being happy just like I work at everything else. It's fabulous. Well, I am really, the schedule did not work for me to get to Fest Forum New York, um, but why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? You've expanded from West Coast to East Coast. It's coming up next week. What do you have lined up for Fest Forum New York? Yeah, well, it was born out of the fact that so many of these events, I mean, there aren't a lot of events for them, but they, they tend to be more focused on West Coast. And I really felt that we were doing a disservice to all of the festivals along the eastern seaboard. And we really wanted to show them the love. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, what I did was when I 
expanded. I went to get buy-in from the East Coast folks, and like one of the persons I went to was Lee Schrager, who is the head of the extraordinary you know, New York Food and Wine Festival, and he loved the idea. And then Tom Russell from Governor's Ball, and we got some amazing people to agree to come and speak. And we have Peter Shapiro of Relics Magazine, who did the amazing Grateful Dead Fare the Well tour and does Lock and Fast. Um, and, and David Bernal, who's on our board, uh, jumped aboard. He's from, from LA Food and Wine, and he really loves to engage this way. Um, my friend Barb Morgan, who's the executive director of Austin Film Festival, jumped in. We've got some amazing mm -hmm. speakers from the New York festivals. Uh, we have Matthew Modine, who's a friend and a actor, director, um, who's, got, who's doing some cool stuff in film. We have some amazing venues. We have the coolest venue in New York, the Cutting Room, uh, which is Thank owned you. by Chris Knoll. Yeah. Um, we have the first outside event at the New York uh, Time Inc. building, which is their new private conference space in downtown because of our board members. But we really have the most um, successful festivals in food and movement, um, and in music and in film all coming together for this incredible, I like to say salon style, you know, Dorothy Parker, bring the best and brightest together, right. and amazing things will come from it. Is it one of so the first really in New York? Is, is there anything East Coast that is even similar? Not that I'm aware of. There's nobody that brings together these three genres mm -hmm. in, in, one, in one space. Um, there's nobody who's done anything for the Food and Wine Festival. And when I did my homework, I realized that it was a completely underserved market with a tremendous, um, you know, financial strength. And when you bring those two things together, you can generally, that's a good prototype for a successful business. Yep. And I knew that it worked in music festivals, so I, you know, thought, okay, I'm looking at the ticket prices for Pebble Beach, yeah. and they're more than Coachella. Mm -hmm. So that was... That was the genesis of why we incorporated that. And because there's so much crossover and convergence between, you know, with festivals like Bottle Rock and Outside Lands and Coachella this year having all these gourmet things. Right. So there you have it. I mean, yeah. it, it, we just feel that they all have um, coexistence that can really complement each other's events, including, you know, films wrapped around uh, music events and Right. I mean, even even Jane Rosenthal mentioned that with Tribeca, they need to change the name to Tribeca Festival because all of yep. them are becoming more experiential and, and, and cross, you know, subject matter. Well, you know, driven. food and drink has been, you know, has become entertainment for us now, right? We've got and such access to amazing food and amazing wines and, and craft beers and distilleries and um you know, some of the best chefs in the world all, all across right here in our country. And so um, people love that celebration that you feel with the festival. And, and why not bring it all together? I think it's amazing. So where do we go to register if, if uh, we have any listeners on um, that want to register for or find out more information about Fest Forums? Oh, thank you um, for the plug. Sure. The website is Fest Forums, F-E-S-T. And I list forums. So it's like festival, but Fest Forums, F O R U M S 
www.lauriecurtis.com. And you can always Google me or, or connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'll, and I'll show you the way, Lori Kirby. But, um, yeah, we'd love to have you folks. We also will be in Santa Barbara in November, and we have an amazing lineup um, planned for that event as well. And we've yep. got some great musical talent um, at the cutting room. So hopefully folks will be able to enjoy us for both days, Wednesday and Thursday. Yep, I wish I could be there, but I will be there in Santa Barbara, and it's a beautiful venue and, yes, a, and a great experience. So, Well, we're just about to close up, but who has helped you along the way, Lori? Um, I always have people ask if I have a mentor. Do you have one, past or present? Um, I wish I had had mentors. I mean, I'm lucky. I've had really amazing friends. Um, there weren't really a lot of female lawyers around that were, you know, of that mind. And but I have amazing people. I mean, certainly watching my mother and her her career, and mm-hmm. you know, she was uncompromising. Watching my my amazing daughter um, has inspired me. I have really wonderful friends. Um, a very, I have a very kind boyfriend. I have a wonderful business partner. Mm. Um, in terms of, of mentors, I mean, I, you know, I love Dorothy Parker. I, I mentioned Anita Hill. Mm-hmm. I, I love George O'Keefe and her lifestyle. I love Catherine Hepburn and Elizabeth Warren. And, and I really am inspired by all the young women I meet who are doing amazing things and have this incredible confidence and chutzpah that, you know, I wish I had had at their age. And I'm, I'm so proud um, to see that. I, I think it's really going to change our culture. It is. It is. Forward. You know, and looking at the future, um, we'll wrap up here, but um, you have so much to share. And, you know, when you've lived a few decades, like like you and I both have, you do, you do have an opportunity to really become more um, confident and comfortable with who you are. But how do we pass that down to these amazing young women in their 20s and 30s um, who are just getting started on their career and life path? Well, I mean, there is never a substitute for experience. Is there? I hope right. that the words that you and I are, are sharing resonate. I hope that they don't have to go through some of the, the, the pain that we went through, but I guess you know, through the pain is, is how we discover, you know, the contentment that, you know, we have finally come to. That's, that's one of the, the benefits you get for getting old. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you get to become more content. Mm-hmm. I think with things like this, Lynn, you are paving the way, and I'm really proud of you um, for, for starting this series. I, I think it's amazing, and it reflects on you as, as the incredible woman you are. And I, I do think that we should always be mentors and be kind to other women, and really take mm-hmm. care of ourselves, and that will that will set a great example for the women in our, around us. Fabulous, great, and I I appreciate the kind words. It's just you know I do have because of my own struggles and my own um, journey and path that I've been on. And I have a fabulous husband and fabulous kids who. Um, cheer me on in everything that I do. And, and that does make a difference. Um, but I want to see more women just become more accepting of themselves and, and take the role that they um, are gifted in and that they are able to do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open it up. If you uh, can ask any questions in the um, chat window, if anybody has any, we are about um, you know, we have about 10 minutes left in the hour. If we don't have any, we'll go ahead and close it out. But if you have any questions for, for Lori, go ahead and type them in the window. And um, if I can't see them, Whitney will help me. <laughs> Let me see. 
she's she's coming out to help me with the just you, you see the and Lynn, let me ask you who while we're waiting um who are your mentors who are your heroes well you know, one of them is actually both of my grandmothers, which is interesting. <laughs> um, and, you know, even my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom for most of her life. And then when I got into high school, she started a daycare center. And I had a working mom when, uh, being the youngest in the family, nobody else did. Um, but uh, the more I learn about what my grandmothers did and how strong they were, um, one of them was very entrepreneurial with, with farming, raising chickens, breeding dogs, doing all these things she could to support her family. Um, it, I, I feel like they are quietly mentoring me um, just by going before me. And, and I'm currently involved in um, uh, a CEO group, peer group called Vistage. So I have I had a one-on-one -on -one session. Um, and my mentor is a male, but that's fine. He's a he loves strong women. has has a couple of daughters himself, and um, it's he's he's fabulous for me as well. Um, it looks oh, like we do have one question here. Uh, do you think that all women who become successful in male-dominated industries share the trait of, quote, being too hard on themselves? Um, and do you think this is a necessary trait in order to be successful? And I'll pass it off to Lynn and Lori. Um, that's a great question. Right. I think that women who are, quote, unquote, successful, Part of that is by being driven, um, and by being driven, it means that you're constantly pushing yourself. Mm. And I think the, the challenge in life is to strive to be better, to be smarter, to be kinder, but to cherish that which you already have. And that's, that's the real struggle. I don't think... Anybody who's successful really views themselves as that successful. I certainly don't. It's not something I ever think about, like, right. you know, define myself that way. <laughs> right. um, but I think what I encourage women to do is to really explore what their passion is and really work towards self-awareness and self-consciousness. And that will line the universe up in a way where some of this tug of war we play with ourselves will fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And I hope that makes sense to the, to the, to the questioner. Yep. But we have you, one that just I, is super excited for Fest Forum New York City next week. Uh, and that asker is Tina. I can't see her last name, though. Um, we have another question here. Just says, seeing the high numbers of biased people experienced in the poll, what advice do you have for young women entering the workforce um, to avoid this kind of bias? That's great. It's a great question. Um, I don't know that you can avoid it. I think, again, it goes back to a lot things that happen to you, and this is not to put a blame on yourself. So, you know the old saying about, you know, you, you pick the man you deserve. Mm -hmm. You have to hold yourself in self-regard, and people around will take notice. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen, because you cannot control the actions of other people. Mm -hmm. All you can control is how you respond. And when you take the attitude, like, mad, that you have zero tolerance, mm -hmm. 
then you begin to project that. And if other people are not responding in an appropriate way, you have every right to defend yourself. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that there won't be repercussions or retaliation. But to hold yourself in the highest regard and self-respect is something that you will always have. I always say, you know, you only have your dignity and your self-respect and your honesty and your integrity. And that's what you have. And you have to always hold that in the highest self-regard. And while you're going through it, it may be incredibly painful, but there are very good ways to deal with these things. And like I did, I brought it to my superiors when it happened to me. I didn't back down and laugh it off. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Laura, your advice is just powerful, and um, maybe there's a book for you coming up, but you have, keep speaking, oh, because you you have amazing life experience, and, um, you know, I, I the lessons of taking care of yourself and all of those things you spoke about so powerfully today, I truly hope were, um, were encouragement and inspiration to the women on the call, and um we're going to end it there and thank you so much, Lori Kirby. And um, we, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. This was super fun. And I love that I kicked off this series um, with, with you. Uh, you're definitely one of my favorites and love speaking to you. We're going to continue this series. You'll see some on the blog, but we'll continue these live interviews. Um, so now that you have registered, please share this uh, with other people and um, let's get some more women um, in here on these calls and these interviews. Hopefully that we can just kind of build a tribe of women who want to encourage each other and um, be strong for each other and learn what we can from each other. Um, so thanks again, Lori. Best of luck to you next week at, at uh, Fest Forum New York City. Thank you, Lynn. I'm going to miss you, but I'm glad you're going to be doing um, the same sort of panel in uh, Santa Barbara. Yeah, we are really looking forward to it. And thank you so much to all the attendees. And if you have any other questions, you can email us um, after this broadcast is over. You'll get a link uh, just for registering and attending today. And please, again, um, share and share away. I think we have a lack of resources available for, for this type of conversation. And we'd love to have it out there for as many women as possible. Thanks again. Everybody have a great day. Thank you, Thanks, and uh, don't forget to use Ticket Force. Oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>